Welcome to this Nutri-Ingredients podcast. I'm Shane Starling in Amsterdam at the European Food Safety Authority's workshop on immunity and gut health, and I'm pleased to be joined by two people who are very close to the uh, health claims assessment process, uh, Maria Sarella uh, and, and Seppo Salmanen. Uh, welcome, um, people. Now, we're at lunch. How, what, what's your interpretation of what's happened so far, Maria? Well, I, I think it has been a useful day because there seems to be a lot of confusion that how how we should think about these health claims because people are looking at uh, almost medicinal claims and then and they are sidetracked at what, what can we claim actually with foods. And that has been a major issue today because there are lots of borderlines issue here that is this the medicinal claim or is it the food claim? I think that's the most important. So are the questions... Off the off the off the mark, so to speak, are they coming? Are they the wrong questions that are being asked? Well, there have been uh, issues that you know, do do you do clinical intervention and look at disease population and uh, things like that. So that's that's already treating a disease typically if you uh, if you work with that kind of population. So I think it's a critical issue to figure out that how how do you show the health benefit benefit with foods without crossing the borderline to medicines. What's your take on that, Seppo? Well, I think I have basically the very same idea. People ask for uh, claims for prevention, which is already strictly out of the scope of this regulation. So it's important to continue the discussion and for all the participants to actually thoroughly understand the regulation also. It seems like there's been a lot of questions where people are trying to get you to state limits about things or give numbers and percentages and it's and there's no, there haven't really been, been many positive um, responses from f- from the panel because I guess you would say you can't give those kinds of answers. Yeah, I think it's a case-by-case situation so you can't say beforehand that what's relevant and it depends what kind of study group and study populations you have. So uh, we are not vague on purpose. I think it's just impossible task. Because you have to see the studies and you have to see the results and then judge if, whether it's relevant or not. And also understand uh, what is the claim that's applied yeah. for, what is the wording of the claim and whether it's relevant for the studies presented. And what about this idea of um, pathogens versus beneficial um, pro- uh, bacteria? Is it, um, it, there's a lot of frustration out there about which ones... Are, are more efficient perhaps in achieving some kind of benefit and then how do you get those how, how do you show the link to the benefit yeah. it, it has there anything any of the questions surprised you in that area or anything that you may be learning from the crowd well uh, of course we initially would like to see the benefit but the problem is that gut microbiota is extremely complex and the most uh, most of the studies have been done in 90s or early, you know, 2000, when the gut microbiota method, analysis methods were not that good. So basically, you had a simplistic view of what's going on there. And now we know much more. And now we know, based on the current, you know, the, what has been produced within the last 5-10 years, studies. We know that, for instance, bifidobacteria are a minor population. We know that lactobacilli are even smaller. And there are lots of other bacteria around with, uh, with much higher numbers that have a lot of the same properties. So it's, at the moment, it's extremely impossible, uh, difficult to say that what's, uh, 
how can you separate these uh, small groups of bacteria from the rest, which probably have a lot of the same properties. So that's why it's, for us it, it was easier to go the other way. So they are established pathogens which are well known, so at least those we can measure. It's not, of course, an optimal way. It would be very much nicer to look at the what's beneficial, but at the moment we don't have that information. I quite agree, and I think the Human Microbiome Project from, from the US and also the related European projects, they will bring more information for the future, and perhaps in not too distant future we can be able to define better also the beneficial microbes. Would you say that that's a, the, the major factor for if there's an air of frustration in the room from some of the attendees today, that, the, that instead of perhaps them looking at uh, blaming EFSA's approach, that perhaps the, 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 the most important factor is the fact that it's simply an emerging area? Well, I think that for a long time uh, these studies were done cult as culture-based studies. So then, of course, bifidobacteria and lactobacilli are easy to culture compared to many other gut microbiota components. And then you... Of course, you, what, you, what you get is what you think that is important. So there's a lot of this old information around which has its value because, of, of course, what it's saying about bifidobacteria, they are still there. But it, it, uh, it totally ignores the vast majority of other bacteria that are there. And I think this is the frustration because uh, people perhaps have a little bit simplistic view of what's going on there. Well, thank you very much for your time. Shane Starling for Nutri-Ingredients.